G'day and welcome to the Noobs Row podcast, the world's number one spearfishing dedicated podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you're anything like us, you're a passionate Spearo that wants to get better at spearfishing and you've come to the right place. And today's episode is an absolute cracker and we're sure you're going to learn something excellent out of this episode to improve your spearfishing. Today with me is Shrek all the way from China. Shrek, how are you, mate? Pretty good. It's unfortunate I couldn't trust you with the shout-outs, Turbo. You can't trust me with much, mate. I tell you, particularly not with that credit card that Noob Spiro just bought. So, mate, what are we? What are we? What credit card? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Right. I, didn't, I didn't clear that. No, you did. You don't have to. That's because we're a partner on the paperwork. I can get oh, as many credit no. cards as I want, and you oh, share no. half the debt. Um, <laughs> uh, Shrek, but seriously, what do we? Uh, what do we cover with Brendan Hendrickson this fortnight on the Noob Spiro podcast? Well, he, he recently finished uh, third in the World Freediving Champs, and uh, it's a bloody good effort for a bloke that's only been at it for a couple of years. Uh, we talk about some deep freediving, and uh, you, what else? You you pumped him for some good questions. Yeah, mate, we talked to him about how he goes about his deeper dives, his safety setups, the guys he wants uh, watching him, and also his trips, how he goes about planning trips and how he puts together a crew. Because he, he actually uh, lives inland and does a lot of his spearfishing on dedicated trips um, with a lot of uh, pool training and that kind of thing in between. So when this guy hits the water, he wants to make sure that everything's um, in good working order and um, everything's you know planned to the T. So it's a great episode in planning and getting the most out of trips. He's now, a bloody nice. He's a bloody nice bloke. Yeah, absolutely, and a very good diver. Shrek, you've got some shout outs for us. Yep, wanted to have a quick shout out the floating pineapple on YouTube. Always giving us some love and comments on there. Thanks, buddy. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening to myself and the two-stroke uh, engine I call Turbo. Uh, also, uh, really good book review on Amazon. Uh, you can also get hold of the book on iBooks now. Anyway, this review said, mad book. Uh, from a personal starting person starting out to an experienced Sphero, you will learn something from this book. Great buy, get it. Thanks for that, Jay Morris. Uh, also, Commonwealth Marine Park in Australia. Now, last week there was a big sort of showdown uh, consultation process about the marine parks around Australia. Um the, they really need your contributions in this effort. They, they close on the 20th of, of this month, so get in now. Go to parksaustralia.gov.au forward slash marine. That's parksaustralia.gov.au forward slash marine. We need to uh, be part of the consultation process so that we protect our, our rights as spear fishermen. Please jump on there. Take a look at it. Again, it's parksaustralia.gov.au forward slash marine. Check that out. Add your voice. It's just a quick email, guys, but get involved. Um, oh, also, last, the floater email. Get on noobspero.com and sign up. We've had a, a bunch of blokes sign on that lately and uh, join our Facebook group as well. It's a happening place. Uh, Turbo is about to start sending out some uh, exclusive gear deals uh, once a month or, or, or possibly once every two months. Turbo's They're got not, you back. Not available anywhere else. So get on there. You're going to save some dough on some good equipment because we only have good sponsors and good gear on the Noob Spiro. Absolutely. If we don't like it, we won't push it. Mate, <laughs> uh, what else have you got for us? Is that it? That That's pretty much it. Just um, hello and hurrah. And we've got some bloody cracker interviews coming up in the next three or four months or so. Yeah, we've just done uh, – we're just fresh off a recording day. We've batched a few. And uh, we have got some huge names from uh, the U.S., and a very big name from Australia, which I think a lot of you guys are going to really look forward to hearing from. 
Um, just going back to uh, that marine parks thing that uh, Shrek was talking about, if you have anything like that anywhere in the world and you're part of the world and you want to get uh, get that message across to uh, protect the rights of spearfishers anywhere in the world, send us an email and uh, we'll promote that on the show and try and get as many people behind it as possible. Now, I think that's pretty much everything from us, Shrek. Yep, email Turbo Direct, turbo at noobspiro.com. Oh, he loves fielding these inquiries. Nicely palmed off. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right, let's get into this cracker of an episode with Brandon. Awesome to talk to you guys. Guys, Spearing Magazine, join the Noob Spiro podcast. They've got some of the best contributors in the world. They've got stories from all corners of the globe. And if you're interested in uh, contributing something, you can head along to spearingmagazine.com. Head up there to the top right corner, get into the menu, and there's become a contributor to Spearing Magazine. Now, some of the guests on our show have been uh, uh, contributors, or they regularly contribute. We've had mm-hmm. Jesse Cripps, Michael Takash, and Ted Hardy contributes a regular section. It's probably the best quality magazine, pound for pound, in the world. So get in there, check out the photography. It's an awesome heavyweight magazine. You can also get the digital edition. So head over to sparingmagazine.com to learn a bit more. Join them on social, Facebook, Insta, or YouTube. Guys, support the Noob Spiro podcast by shopping with today's sponsor, spearfishing.com.au. That's right, you can use the code Noob Spiro and save $20 on all purchases over $200. If you're looking for that next spear gun or wetsuit, spearfishing.com.au has got a huge range of equipment for you to go and check out. There's good reviews on there about everything from booties to budgie smugglers, so enjoy and get hold of something good. If you live here in Australia, check out Adreno's physical stores in Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane. And join over 60 underwater experts to get advice about everything you need for equipment. Thank you for shopping with our sponsor, spearfishing.com.au, and supporting the Noob Spiro podcast. G'day, Noob Spiro community. Thanks for joining us today. We are chatting with Brandon Hendrickson, a.k.a. Spiro Brando, over there in Kansas City. And uh, Brando recently cracked up a huge uh, depth in a freediving uh, event over there. He's super laid back for an American. I'm really looking forward to having a good chat with him because we've been talking back and forth on social media for a while. So thanks for joining us today, Brando. Thanks, guys. It's, uh, looking forward to the opportunity to speak with you. Awesome, mate. All right, Brando, you're, you're landlocked. So why don't you tell us a little bit of how you got started in spearfishing and where you got started? Sure, man. Um, I grew I grew up as a as a kid in South Florida on the Gulf Coast uh, of Florida in Naples, Florida, and uh, grew up around my dad's dad was a big rod and reel fisherman, and obviously scuba diving is also very popular down there for spearfishing. Yeah. So he, he, my dad and his friends were all big into that. And growing up around that as a kid, I learned how to scuba dive at about ten years old. Oh and, wow! And eventually that got, that moved into uh, free diving and doing a little bit of spear fishing. Uh, from there, it was uh, trips to the Florida Keys a couple times a year, for every, usually in the summer, to enjoy the clear waters, and uh, the passion just grew from there. And uh, earlier today, we Turbo and I were just having a casual chat with Manny Bova, who makes uh, Manny Sub Spear Guns over here. He's very familiar with you. He says you guys have had hour-long conversations the talking three about hour long, yeah. <laughs> and we know how many loves to chat so but he he said you're one of the most well-traveled spiros he knows and uh you also do some really deep free diving as i mentioned before um 
How did you get into all of that? And tell, tell us a little bit about your travels and some of your adventures. It's funny you mentioned Manny because um, he's well versed in conversation. And the other night, <laughs> the other night, the other night, we set a new record: three hours and thirty-three minutes. We spoke. <laughs> he was ju- he was just warming up. Yeah. You guys were probably only talking about like barrels no, on spear guns. That was so. just Manny's side of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are we're both absolutely ate up with spear fishing and we can talk about the intricate details of a spear gun for hours yeah and, awesome. uh, manny's a great guy love his spear guns and uh that, that that's kind of he goes without saying too much the guy's well respected in the industry um what else can i what else was the other question you had you had about yeah, that so so, so Manny said you're one of the most well-traveled Spiros he knows, and I mean, what, Manny's fairly well-traveled himself. I mean, he only he, he he went to the Greek World Championships last year, and uh, he's had a good look around. So, it's, it, it, it it must obviously mean that you are well-traveled. So, tell us about some of your adventures. Some some of my adventures. Well, there's been a few. I <laughs> travel traveling and spearfishing is a big passion of mine. Um, I love the travel aspect as much as I love the actual spear fishing. Um, the logistics of putting a, a proper trip together is a is a definitely a challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah. As is putting together the right crew to to do the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how how did how did you get started spear fishing and traveling? I guess started, take us right back to your first trip. I think my my first trip was uh, was down to Mexico to Baja, and I was. I found out about it same way I found out a lot of, about a lot of my trips is you know searching the internet and that was one of Palapas Ventana's original um, trips that they did. It was teaching teaching newer divers how to how to blue water hunt. Okay. And with uh, Dennis Hostler was was uh, teaching the course that week and uh, I joined another group of spear fishermen down there uh, solo myself and spent. F- about a, about a week, just just trying to learn how to hunt wahoo a little bit better. Uh, had, yeah. I'd done a lot of uh, dirty water diving prior to that, but blue water hunting was a little uh, little vague to me. So going down there was was new, and it was a great experience. I didn't spear the fish I would have liked to, even though I I I definitely had the opportunity. I I just was able to pick up the bug while I was there for. You know, and saw saw what the the bigger picture was. Yeah, hey, cool. All right, so you started off. We we still in Florida at that stage when you had your adventure down to Mexico. No, that would the adventure down to Mexico was about seven or eight years ago. I had moved back to Florida or back from Florida when I was a late teenager, and uh, ended up landlocked for about ten years here, starting my uh, arborist company and. Yeah. It focused on that and hadn't had a chance to travel much. Had been traveling a little bit for business uh, career career conferences and uh, got back around the water and realized that I wasn't really into golf. So I needed to <laughs> I needed to come back to my calling, which was was diving. And yeah, cool. um, so th- that that had me seek out the spearfishing and a free diving aspect that was my that was my first first serious spearfishing trip i'd say it was about you know eight to ten roughly eight maybe ten years ago um from there it was just seeking out the next trip i could ever you know find 
that I could properly equip a crew yeah. and uh, where we could go somewhere that we had a fair, fairly good idea where, what, what was going on with the fish and uh, that was affordable. So, yeah. so you're, you're essentially, so you're landlocked and you're sort of just living for these, these spearfishing trips with your mates that you, you organize, what, once a year or a couple of times a year you sort of get out? I get out about 10 to 12 times a year. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. I have. So you, you, I you guide. You got you organizing guide trips. Is that right? I'm pretty much doing everything except for charging my mates. <laughs> um, I've I've had the opportunity to approach the guiding, yeah. Um, and I've been told a lot of times I should be charging for what I do, but I would rather just go with the crew I like and not charge anybody else. And know I get to go with who I want to, rather than everybody just being everybody having to pay. Uh, yeah. Current, you know, what I do is I'm pretty much looking. I I look about three to four months out with with a large a longer forecast out about about a year year and a half. Um, wow. I've got trips booked up right now all the way through next summer. Um, we're, you know, we're we're I'm basically I'm booked up really solid all the way through August of this year, and then the the trips do get a little more scattered out. It's just a uh, time of year for. For me, um, dependent upon what I'm able to do locally and what I can balance with my work and uh, personal relationship side to, and, well, as, I, as well as my hobby, to make sure that we all are satisfied. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. um, spearfishing, spearfishing is a huge part of, of my hobby. Freediving and co- now competitive freediving has become a a little bit larger part. I decided in 2016 that 2017 might be my year to give it a go mm. at the competitive side. Um, after yeah. a little prodding from a few of my instructors, <laughs> and I saw just just while we're there with your competitive freediving, I saw some video footage of you in Dean's Blue Hole not too long ago, maybe maybe a couple of weeks ago. But, um, and you clocked up a really good dive, eighty something odd meters, I believe. Eighty six point nine meters, I did. Yeah, um, wow. Three minute twenty five second dive. It was a wow. free, free immersion. Uh, it was about ten meters deeper than I'd ever been. Constant weight. Um, yeah. I had been down there for about a week and a half, almost two weeks, training. Uh, really tra- went there to train for a no fins technique, and yeah. w- with the hopes of making 50 meters, no fence. Uh, yep. Accomplished that early in the trip and took the opportunity to, while I was there with William Trubridge, to, who's the, he's the guru when it comes to no fence as well as um, the free immersion technique. So yep. trained with him a little bit and did, did refine my technique on my free immersion and managed to punch out a dive to about 285 feet. Wow. Wow! So was really, really stoked on the the progress and the the opportunity to get to dive there. Yeah, cool, man. And um, I mean, free free diving as a discipline does sort of marry up quite well with uh, with spearfishing. Um, it's interesting that you've developed both of these interests sort of simultaneously mm. while living landlocked and and managing to guide trips as well. You've done pretty well, I, I think. Um, Last year, you mentioned you were over here in Australia in the Coral Sea. You got chased out by a cyclone or a big storm. Um, what are some of the other interesting locations you've dived in? How did the Coral Sea stack up next to Mexico and 
some of the other exotic destinations you've been spearfishing? Uh, you know, I've the Coral Sea was a, it was a great trip. It didn't quite live up to the hype, unfortunately. I think part of that was because of the weather. We we just ran on on bad times. Yeah. Um, I saw I could see the potential there. It was definitely we had a great crew, fabulous charter with Bianca Charters and Captain Pete. The uh, the big fish weren't were not around, unfortunately. So as far as you know, the dog tooth hunting, which that uh, is a little bit of a passion of mine right now, uh, it's there. It, it's not. I wouldn't quite put it next to Africa yet, but it's it's there. I know there's some big fish coming out of out of that area. Uh, you know, if I were to rank rank it, I would I would put it in my top five of my trips for sure. Wow. You know, my Mexico is definitely comes in on the list when it comes to spear fishing. The Bahamas is is, uh, is up there as well. You know, the pole spearing over there is is phenomenal. Your your groupers and snappers, etc. One of my favorites, especially for the winter time on this side of the globe, you know, our December January run to to uh, Panama or to Costa Rica for Kubera snapper, which I've talked a lot with Manny, with Manny Sub. Yeah. That's that is. Um, I've never really seen reef diving quite like that. Yeah. So we've been keen to try to put up and put another trip together like that for me and some friends. Um, yeah. It's not an easy trip to do, but that's that's a a really fun trip. Pa- Panama, Panama is up there. Uh, done the yellowfin tuna there. Yeah. yeah. Did, done the the blue water run in Panama during the spring. Mm. Um, fall, fall we go typically to Pacific side of Baja. That's uh, hunting yellowfin tuna, wahoo, big huge groupers, and big kubera snapper. That's uh, ranks pretty high up there. And then the uh, northern Gulf of Mexico here in the United States is really hard to beat. You know, you can go there anytime from about right now, this time of year, you know, all the way through the fall and and hunt big, big yellowfin tuna, wahoo, and the the oil rigs there are phenomenal for your reef species, amberjack, things like that. And right now, right now, top of the list is definitely um, Eastern Africa, East, East Africa, whether it, whether it be um, Latham Island. Madagascar yeah. or yeah. Um, oh, some of those neighboring countries. I think they've all got a lot of potential. Had some really good luck with the guiding services we found there. Okay, really, really nice. So it sounds like you've you've chased big fish in all corners of the world, and you've chased big depths with your freediving. You love travel and hanging out with good friends. Um, let's move back a little bit. Uh, when you got started again. Uh, in your land, from from your landlocked sort of base, um, what obstacles have you encountered? What what's um what's been some of the challenges that you've overcome to get to where you are in your spearfishing and freediving? You know, with my spearfishing and freediving, specifically, uh, some of the obstacles I would have to say would have been just becoming comfortable at depth um, to be an effective hunter. You yeah. know, my breath working on my breath hold. Um, Mental control is huge, and uh, a lot of those things I was able to cure with with some instruction through the uh, free diving courses I took. 
those, those, those are definitely key for me. Once I was able to get past some of those things, um, free diving and spearfishing in general became a lot more enjoyable. So what training did you undertake and, and who was that with? Um, originally my first course was with Martin Stepanek, uh, with okay. FI free dive instructors international. I've, yep. I've took, um, several courses with him, including a, three or four depth camps, um, okay. all the way up through my level three, three course with Martin. Um, that was always done out in Hawaii on the, the big Island, Hawaii, Kona. Yep. Um, definitely. He set the foundation for, for the diver that I've become and uh, from the, there, I, I saw the value in the courses I was taking, and I've, I've tried to take a course or do a free dive camp at least once a year um, wow. f- from here, from there moving forward. That's a lot of money you've invested in, 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 that, side of, um, in that side of spearfishing, and a lot of spearos are kind of um, unwilling to spend money on developing themselves and training the free diving side of things. Um, what advice... Or what's what's given you the the passion and drive to undertake such a level of training? For me, the results spoke volumes, and it was it was money well spent. Rather than spending a thousand dollars on another trip to be unsuccessful, to spend a thousand dollars on a training camp, uh, and knowing that my next trip was going to be uh, much much pro- more probable of being a success was was worth it. The the other thing for me is, is I've always wanted to be, I've always had the drive to be, want to be good at what I did. Yeah. And that was, and I have a competitive nature within me. So <laughs> to, to be the, to be a better Spiro, to be a better diver and, uh, be a safer diver was, was also important to me. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, so th- those kind of things, uh, it's, it's money well spent. That's the best I could tell your, your audience. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Reno. Did you have a mentor in your early days? Did you have somebody that showed you the ropes? Um, mentoring that probably started with my my dad. You know, my dad could hold his breath like I don't know. It seemed like forever as a kid. You know, we were lobster. We would be lobstering in in the Florida Keys and free diving in twenty five feet of water and going down ripping lobsters out of holes by hand. And he he'd go down there for two two or three minutes and act like it was no big deal, you know, seeing him and, you know, his friends that were all avid spear, spear fishermen back in those days was certainly influential. Um, from, from there, um, to point one person out, I've obviously learned, I've learned a lot since those days, um, from other divers, every diver I tried to learn something new from, I've always taken that approach that almost everybody out there has something that they can teach you. Whether it be about mm. their about their home area that they t- typically spear, or maybe a different technique, if you if you can pick up a little something from everybody, you're going to be a better diver, and uh, you're going to have a better time. You know, can can you can you pick out a specific person you've dived with in the last twelve months that you've learned something from? Uh, a couple. The one that sticks out to my mind is. Greg Fonts with the Free Dive Shop. He's the Rob Allen distributor here in the United States. Okay. He and I have speared a couple of tournaments together in the last the last year. And last summer we we did the USOA. It's the US National Spearfishing Championships. We did it here at, in Arkansas at Freshwater Lake in very bad visibility. Yeah. 
And I was familiar with Espeto technique prior to that tournament, but I had not really experienced it to the extent that I had then. And watch, going back through the GoPro videos uh, as we would we were doing our um, scouting, Greg and I would watch them together, and he was able to point out some small inefficiencies in my technique, and I was was able to really refine it to to be more effective hunter in that. And I, you know, Greg Greg definitely helped teach me that. Oh, cool! Wow, and uh, it shows the value of reviewing your GoPro footage too, um, because you, uh, yeah, like you say, you can pick up on some of these things and. So for some guys, it's finning technique. For other guys, it's head movement, and I mean, everyone's got something they're working on. So that's pretty. That's a real cool insight. Yeah, it was. It was very, very effective. Very effective uh, teaching opportunity, and we were able to do really well. We ended up winning the tournament. So oh wow, it it awesome. all worked out for the best. Yeah, cool, <clears throat> Brandon. <clears throat> you've shot a ton of fish. Is there any that stand out in your mind? Is there one particular memorable fish? That you've shot the most embarrassing one or the most memorable one? Either <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you've got an embarrassingly memorable one. Go that one. Oh God, the most embarrassing one was was my first fish, and that was probably ten or eleven years old on scuba back then, shooting a pneumatic gun that I got for my birthday, and. I went down with my dad and, and a, one of his friends, and I shot the first fish that came anywhere within range of me. <laughs> we had hardly, we'd hardly left the surface. And in southwest Florida, the idea of being quiet until you, and not firing your gun off until you get a, tr- a good fish in, really in front of you is pretty important. These gun, the guns were loud. They scared the other fish. And I waited as soon as a school of spade fish came up near me. It may have been near a record, record size spade fish, but I uh, I let it have it, and I got the I got the dirtiest looks that day. <laughs> so that was definitely an embarrassing one. I uh, will never forget that one, and nor will my father let me live it down. <laughs> so those spade fish, do, can you eat them? Uh, I don't know anybody that has really ever tried them. <laughs> i know my friend richie zachary he's got the the record for one and he's a commercial yeah. spear fisherman so there must be somebody out there that likes to eat them <laughs> yeah. but it wasn't us that day we uh you, i think we burned do you guys do you guys have the phrase over there mother-in-law fish speaking of the mother-in-law fish which, <laughs> i've plugged a good one of those in my day and uh, we we actually one of my mates shot one of those. We called them a hairy hot lips. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were in East Africa, Latham Island, and my buddy he shot what would have been at the time the new IUSA world record. I've got a picture of it on my Instagram. We uh, I've never tried one. Let's say that. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm familiar with the species and I understand that even the sharks don't eat them <laughs> guys spearfishing is all about self improvement it's about practice time in the water and getting better holding your breath longer but you know what sometimes you can buy a piece of equipment that really lifts your game and that is a good set of fins 
Now, good set of fins, what does it do? It makes you more efficient in the water, they are more reactive, you get more bang for your buck in terms of energy in versus energy out. And the best fins, the fins that we love the most, that are not only super reactive and super efficient, but really strong and they're gonna last years on your feet, are the Penetrator range. So get over to penetratorfins.com and check out their full range of composite and carbon fiber blades. On top of that, we now have a code for you guys to save $20 off your next set of Penetrator blades. So pump that code in, noobspiro, at checkout, and you'll save $20 off. Add to that, Penetrator is now offering a flat rate international shipping of $25 for you, the Noob Spiro listener, and even more, a full international warranty. So get in there now, check out all the great designs and get yourself a set of Penetrator blades. God bless America, guys. We're joined by Spearing Magazine today. Isn't that right, Turbo? Absolutely. You've done it again. USA. USA. (laughs) God bless America. Now, if you love America and you love spearfishing, get hold of Spearing Magazine at spearingmagazine.com. Oorah. That's all the American stuff I know. Semper Fi. Chevrolet. (laughs) Truck City. Look, guys, the magazine is way better than Turbo's American accent. Probably better than mine, too. You can um, check out... Check them out on social media, actually. Head on Facebook or Instagram, YouTube, whatever's your thing. Find Spearing Magazine and join those blokes. They they put up some wicked photos and stories. Check them out, spearingmagazine.com. All right, next part of the show, Brandon, is uh, hunting techniques. So, look, um, what, what what's, it, what's one of your favorite hunting techniques? What what sort of context or environment do you, do you use it in and how do you do it effectively? I uh, have to go back to that that technique, espeto. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, from my understanding, the translation of that technique is going to the bottom, finding your position, and laying still. And that's you know to to the absolute extent of of stillness. I found that to be effective in both the freshwater environment, dirty dirty water. Uh, we we also used it. Uh, very effectively last year and um, I was in Rhode Island hunting large striped bass uh, in dirty green water that was very cold and we we were able to land some really trophy fish there um, using that same technique and I noticed it very you noticed the the subtle differences between the divers that were able to to properly utilize it okay I I think that if you put that in your bag that and you can and practice it, you you become a better diver. Yeah, right. You mentioned before that um, when you reviewed GoPro footage of yourself diving, um, you picked up a few problems with your espeto. Do you mind if we ask what they were? The the most the biggest problem I saw with my espeto that I was noticing in my GoPro was was slight head movements. Um, in in the dirty water diving we were doing for this carp. Even the smallest of a head movement would prevent the fish from coming in within range. And we were trying to get fish within two to three feet of the, the end of the gun barrel. Um, so any movement was was a big one. The fish were picking up on it. Um, that was a, probably the biggest one. The other one was you, you would notice your contractions uh, more on the GoPro. Your, your GoPro seems to be amazingly effective at picking up audio underwater. And if you're having contractions, you will you will notice them. 
And whether that's good or bad, um, sometimes it, it brings the fish in, sometimes it does not. I think one of the biggest things I got out of an earlier interview we did with Chris Coates was with noise. And I mean, we all make contraction noise, I think. But like, I think one of the things with noise is you always want it to be intentional if you're trying to attract fish. And, Abs- uh, absolutely. Otherwise, you're just lucky if it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. But probably all of us have used it that way <laughs> <laughs> and not knowing it. So uh, I'd, I'd be claiming it as my actual technique, I think. <laughs> I've got another question. Brandon, the um, we <clears throat> strangely enough in Australia, the European carp is uh, a noxious species. It's, it's an introduced species. We're not allowed to spear fresh water though. Oh boy! So, so unfortunately, I, I we've got no idea how they sort of react underwater. How how are they? Are they a really sort of flighty species? Are they curious? Are they just sort of going about their business? And I actually wouldn't mind asking how you hunt carp. Um, and you know how they sort of are underwater. Um, I've only had, I say, limited experience hunting carp during during a couple of couple different trips and uh, during a big tournament um, here here in the Midwest, where the tournament has been held in the past. The the carp are a bit flighty. They're very they're very sensitive to noise and sound. And, um, you are hunting in a very typically dirty and cold water environment, small guns. Um, they easily tear out. Right. So that's something to keep in mind. I, uh, they don't, they taste absolutely terrible. (laughs) I'll tell you that it's, it's not what, it's not a magnificent fish to hunt, but if that's what if that's what the the fish is of the day, then that's what it is, yeah. and uh, you're going to do the best you can to be as effective a hunter as you can, and stay still is my best advice if you're going to try to hunt the elusive carp. Yeah. <laughs> don't and, uh, don't throw sand or or mud. Doesn't not work. Really, and there are a lot of people that were down there. I was talking with one of the other competitors at the tournament, and they just did not understand how each of our each of my team was able to come in with about 15 fish a piece and their, their team came in with one or two fish per person. And they're like, we were throwing sand, scratching rocks, you know, <laughs> grunting. They were using yeah. all of their, they were using all of their South Florida and Bahamas techniques for hunting grouper and snapper and attempting to use them on carp. And it does not work. Yeah. Yeah. So it just different. shows different, different techniques for different environments. Yeah. 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 That's one of the best, one of the things I would teach any new diver is learning how to adapt to their environment and listening to your mentors in that environment to see what what works. Yeah, you're right. And the the carp, because they they sift to feed, so if you're down there, they just sort of sifting along and sort of come into view and then you can take the shot. That's generally how it works. That's correct. Correct. And you only have a, a moment... A moment's notice. They don't come in and hang around. They don't come in and feed. They just come in for a real quick, brief, brief look. And uh, I think they just kind of come in and scan you with their lateral line, and, yep. they, and they move out. So you, you need to have your gun in position, ready to trigger, ready to pull the trigger. A lot of a lot of the trigger pulls were were made with the thumb, you know, keeping the gun back. Okay. 
All right, next part of the show is Veterans Vault. So this is where we sort of go deep into an area of your special expertise. We've already discussed how um, extensively you've traveled and uh, some of the deep spearfishing, deep freediving stuff that you're very, you know, highly interested in. And it sounds like you're pretty goal-oriented as well. Uh, I'm picking up on a little bit of that. Would you agree with that, Brandon? Uh, I'm very competitive and definitely a goal-oriented person in general, I would have to say. It, it sort of belies your laid-back nature, but um, with with guys, uh, a lot of our audience uh, are experienced spearers as well as we, we, we have a lot of guys, you know, learning to spearfish and they want to get better. But with guys that are taking a serious look at deep spearfishing, who, who would you say that this sort of, what would you categorize as deep spearfishing, first off? I think that varies depending upon the part of the world you're in. Hmm. Um, and where you're at as a as a diver but yeah. as a general rule any any type of hunting over 30 meters i would consider to be considered deep spear fishing on the yeah. free dive um that's something that i've i've worked on a lot over the last several years uh try to become kind of effective at that um some of that was goal oriented for me um that originally started and originally started my quest to become a better spear spear fisherman was my first trips to Mexico, realizing you had to dive near 30 meters to effectively hunt the uh, large grouper species there. Uh, oh, to, wow. to be able to lay down at 25 meters on the bottom and, and have a good 45 seconds to a minute of bottom time uh, was typically the difference between uh, the guy that landed a fish and the guy that just went home empty-handed there. Mm. Wow. Um, but that's what that's what that's what sent me on my quest originally to become a, a better diver. Mm. And then um, as I became more affluent to the the deeper realms of spearfishing and deeper uh, deeper destinations where the bigger fish tend to be a little little on the deeper side, uh, that that gave me. A reason to want to refine my craft per se and whether that was dog tooth tuna or um kubera snapper which were the the probably the two most most commonly deep fish that that i was targeting um to be able to to be effective at those ranges of hunting at around 40 meters was important mm. now not not every spear fisherman is is going to approach those depths, and not every spear fisherman is interested in hunting it at, at depth. And uh, but for for those that are Brendan, how how long did it take? Uh, like there's there's a lot of risk associated with diving at depths beyond sort of a hundred feet, that magic thirty meter mark. What are some of those risks, and um, and uh, how did you approach it from 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 the get go? Uh Certainly, picking those battles um, when when the right time was to do that was important. Um, finding finding the right conditions, dive partners who were willing to spot you, um, those are things that we that looked for. And beyond beyond training, um, whether it be in courses with depth training, in uh, breath hold, the the, the the two safety factors were the were the two most important things that I that I wanted to to cover. Hmm. And um, let's dial in on sort of one of your early 
deep dives. So you mentioned laying on the bottom for, you know, getting decent bottom time at depth. What's what's an early experience you remember um, when you finally started to feel like I'm, I'm getting it, I'm I'm um, I'm doing this? Did you do a course and then all of a sudden, you, all of a sudden you broke through into some new depths? Uh, what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I did it. I took took course and started becoming more familiar with the dive reflex and becoming more familiar with the sensation of the um, contractions, which were related to CO2 tolerance and Mm. learning how to push beyond those, those limitations. Uh, That, that started affecting me when I was first began hunting at about 80 feet and, um, learning to realize that the first contraction was not necessarily the end of your dive. And with the proper safeties in, involved that you, you could push it, push it beyond that and, and was learning the, the potential of what the, di- what the diver is really able to do. Mm. Okay. Yeah, cool. Well, <clears throat> well now, I, and I, let's, let's, let's say you're doing some deep spear fishing um, on any given day. Let's have a look at how that, sort of um that process starts so i assume you, you're taking really long breathe ups I, I, that i am on when i'm preparing for a long dive um my, my breathe ups are are no less than twice the length of any dive uh very often three to four times that length so if i'm going to do a two and a half to three minute dive um i typically try to aim for about eight minute breathe up between the, between those dives uh both to err on the side of safety but also to err on the side of i'm going to have a more effective dive uh, if you'll take a to take that extra minute or two and to get your to get yourself really calmed down and get your body oxygenated lower your heart rate a little bit uh you're gonna you're gonna realize more potential you're gonna see more bottom time Okay. And you're going to be less likely to have a blackout. So you have to realize you're going to have less dives in a day. It's just one of those. You're not going to punch 120 dives to 120 feet a day. Hmm. You you might if you're if you're an animal, you might be able to punch 50 dives a day. And then you got to start being careful about decompression sickness. Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. I was going to mention that. All right, so <clears throat> you you take a long. Uh, an extended um, breathe up time on the surface, right? The actual dive itself, you're holding, you're going straight to the bottom and holding a spado when you're doing these depths. Um, most of those depths, I would say that's accurate. Um, you're trying to minimize the amount of kicking or movement you're going to be doing um, beyond 60 feet. Very often, these dives that you're pushing those depths, you're you're going into sink phase around 60 to 70 feet and you're coasting and either, either relying on the bottom or you're, or you're relying on your depth, your sink rate to control the length of your dive. So often I I may be going to, if I'm going to 40 meters, I don't want to be I don't want to kick in all the way down to 40 because if I were to do that, I would have a short dive and I would want, I would wind up going deeper than, than I really needed to. I am going to go down to 60, 60 meters. It may take me a minute to get there. It may take me another minute 
to coast down to uh, I see six down to twenty meters and then down to, to down to forty. Hmm. If I can if I can get twenty seconds sink sink time there, another twenty seconds to get back up and spend a, about a minute down at at my target depth, then uh, I feel like I'm pretty effective in that in that range. So whatever you need to do to control your to your sink rate to uh, put yourself at that target depth for the amount of time you'd like to be. I find that if you can be down there 45 seconds to a minute, you're usually a pretty effective hunter. And um, from there, then it's just making sure you've got enough time to get to the surface and enough time to recover between dives. Yeah, right. Okay, so on your on your return to the surface, have you got any tips for efficiency or staying calm or just making sure you get back to that surface safely? Uh, definitely, definitely. Um, one thing that that I, I noticed that a lot of divers don't take advantage of with your return to the surface on a deep dive nine, nine times out of 10, you're going to be diving with a float line and float with your, your shooting breakaway. Go ahead and let, go ahead and let go of your gun, let go of your gun at depth more after nine, nine times out of 10 or more than that. You're not going to be shooting anything on your way up. Go ahead. It's less drag less less weight for you to bring up and then and take your time coming up spend spend as least amount of energy and be efficient some things that i do occasionally um on my way up from a really deep dive or a really long dive i may even go into a dolphin kick with even with my bifins um, that may be a little bit more advanced than some newer spear fishermen have uh considered but i find it very effective the monofin technique, you can be done with bifins, does not require a ton of energy at all. Mm, you know, it's, right. it's definitely saved me on a few dives. And um, uh, also, you know, for diver, for your something something to consider, it would on the on the safety safety aspect of of that be don't don't ever rule out going with a free dive recovery vest. Um, I've owned mm. one of those and used one of those uh, for years. That that can be definitely the t- the trick. You know, if you need to get a, a quick way to the surface uh, or a dive goes wrong, you can always have a, a bailout. Yeah, okay. And safety divers, you you have one or two, or how do you how do you work being sa- uh, having safety divers on these really deep dives? Uh, I would prefer to have two. <laughs> Yeah, but um, typically on most trips, you're lucky if you've got one that's actually paying attention to you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we we don't do those type of dives in poor visibility. That's something for everybody to keep in mind. Um, I want my dive partner to be able to see me, and I want not only following my float line, even if I go beyond beyond visibility, but if you can't pick me up. Uh, by the time I reach about 60 feet and be able to either meet me at depth or meet me um, at the surface, then I'm not going to take the chance of making that dive. Hmm. So it's a conversation for every diver to have with their dive partner. Hmm. Before, and it need, that uh, I always start those conversations in the planning stages of my trips. Hmm. Um, and you could you could talk to Greg Fonts and the guys who went with me to Africa on my last trip there. 
that was a very intense trip when regard to depth. We we discussed in length about the safety situation weeks prior to the trip to make sure everybody was on board with what we needed to do to make sure everybody came home. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I, I wanted to discuss like um, <laughs> before the show, we talked about planning bigger trips and some of the guys you go with on these trips um we've talked with a lot of experienced guys and they say <laughs> i think the first interview we had the guy said don't be a dickhead you know but like when you when you're planning trips with good people what are your criteria what are some what are some just strict like what what do i need in my dive buddies and what what do i not need what what am i going to avoid when i'm choosing people to go diving with particularly on trips where you are pushing depth and uh, you want reliable people around you. What are the what? What are some of the do's and don'ts? Do's and don'ts of picking a dive partner, logistics of putting a trip together. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, first thing that I look for is that it's someone who I'm going to enjoy diving with. The someone who errs on the side of caution. Someone who has the financial ability to make the trip and do it without pension too many pennies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't want anybody uh, go back. Go on that on that tangent. You don't want people who who cannot afford the trip. Yeah, they, they quickly people turn into assholes if they if they cannot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I look for someone who is an, who is like I said, safe, financially capable, fun, and who um, just I guess that's those are the three most important things I can think of. Yeah, I wanted to ask you if you're <clears throat> you're a deep diver and you're putting together a crew, you guys have to all be deep divers. Are you all deep divers when you're going on these um, hunts? Oh, I wish, but no. <laughs> um, no, I would really. You could seclude yourself from from a lot of your friends if you did that pretty quick. Um, I would usually say that there should be at least one other deep diver on on a trip if you if it's planning on to be in a deep trip. Yep. And I try to pair pair the dive partners up accordingly. Um, it's better off just to have a, a conscientious crew, and to uh, I, I think that I think that's the most important thing you could say about that. I just you're, you're never going to get that many deep divers together at one time, in, unless you're like the world championships in Greece, and uh, I. Generally, setting depth limitations on a trip is not a good idea or setting depth goals. Um, it used to be fun to talk about who could spear the biggest fish at the deepest depth um, on trips. Got away from that a long time ago. Um, it's a bad bad habit for people to get into. Mm. They, um, You got guys that are pushing themselves because of machismo, and it's not – it's not a safe way of playing playing games. Don't push people down. Don't don't do variable weight drops if you know people are not accustomed to them. Just stick within everybody's limits is is what everybody needs to do. While we're discussing deep spearfishing, uh, we, we've we talked about it briefly. Uh, decompression sickness. Um, uh, we've talked about lung squeeze in previous episodes. I wanted to talk about some of these injuries that can happen when you are doing deep spearfishing. And uh, I was hoping to maybe get your idea on, you know, guys like slowly acclimating to to diving at depth because I think it's a bit of a process and some of the guys 
they watch a video and what they think, oh, okay, I'll learn the techniques and I can dive to 40 meters. Uh, what, what's your kind of take on, on this? A uh, big question, but um, yeah, what do you think about it? Uh, it's, it's funny you ask that. I think that's a great question. I think that depth, what we like to refer to in the free diving um, realm of things is called depth acclimation. Yeah. And that is one of the things that is going to make you, if you are acclimated, to the type of depths you're going to be diving, you're going to be less susceptible to squeeze, which is certainly a very valid concern health-wise. Uh, mm. You're going to be less susceptible to blackout. Um, I don't recommend people pushing their limits. Um, I don't recommend someone going trying to go spearfishing at 40 meters if they've never dove past 20 before, whether they get a free ride to the bottom or not. Um, mm. You... Like you, like you were saying, depth acclimation is something that does does occur over time. Your body gets gets um, used to, might be the right word for it. Yep. The type of pressure that you're going to be subjecting your lungs and sinuses and whatnot to, mm. and um, that certainly improves you, your chances of of diving to to deeper depths safely. For me, um, getting to become a the opportunity to become a deeper free diver, um, depth, depth acclimation has been something that's been a topic with a lot of my trainers hmm. because they always, everybody wants to eye you up, see what you're, what they think you're capable of before they ever met you. And you hmm. go to a, a free diving camp and you need to talk to them about what, what type of depths have you been diving? And depth acclimation is one of those things that kind of comes and goes for people. Hmm. Because you dove 40 meters 100 times last month does not mean you're you're up to the task tomorrow. Mm. Mm. Um, so take it slow. Um, even even like uh, on, on on my most recent trips to Dean's Blue Hole in the Bahamas, I took my my depth progression very slow. I was there over two weeks, and I was only getting back to the depths that I'd been diving. Once I'd been there about a week and a half, I'd been diving a good solid 10 plus days before wow. I was even getting close to back to the depths that I had been diving and mm. trying to push beyond that. I was even hesitant I, because for me, safe progression is, is key and important. Mm. Um, I've been lucky. I've been one of the fortunate ones and that dove to the type of depths that I've dove that has not been affected by lung squeeze or trachea. Mm. I've never had any any variation of squeeze, um, and the only thing I can attribute that is the slow and safe progression of my diving. So I recommend that to to all all divers. That's a really good section. I've um I've I've taken a lot out of that in terms of um, you know, not only um slowly acclimatizing your body to depth, but also you know. Be, being the type of person to even take it on, I think was an interesting sort of um, thing to look at. Sure. So cool. Were the guys any like what what sort of parting tips just for your for guys that are wanting to starting to push more depth? What what any any sort of parting tips and wisdom for them? Um, parting tips to anybody that wants to try to dive depth. Hmm. Don't be afraid of hard work. Take it slow. Um, work on your depth acclimation and um train okay train and train dry training pool training yeah co2 tolerance things like that those are the key key components to being comfortable at depth and doing it safely 
Yeah, cool. And the other theme I got was sort of like get get around these people that are really experienced, like good trainers. You've listed a few off today. Um, and there's some reputable guys that can teach you to, to do these things at depth. Of uh, William Truebridge is pretty interesting. I just read Deep by James Nestor, and he discusses... Um, you know William's achievements uh, at 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 depth. Uh, not all spear fishermen are probably fans of that book, but uh, it was in- an interesting read and a, and an interesting look at an outsider's perspective at deep freediving. Uh, have you read that book yourself? I've not read deep. I've, I'm a big fan of William Trubridge, so that has me keen yeah. to to look it up um, yeah. and and give it a go. I have read I've read several several instructional books on freediving, and I've also read some some books about you know how things can go wrong in free diving yeah um i'm a big fan of william's training regimen hmm. uh, just yeah. just to be clear the the deep book he it's not really a it's not really a free diving book it's uh it's written by a journalist from outside magazine and it's he he sort of gets sucked into you know reporting on um, some of the deep spear, uh, the deep freediving competitions, James and then he Nestor. gets, yeah, he gets fascinated by the whole underwater world. So the book's not just about freediving. Okay, I've got and it. I've got it. I just found it. So perfect. Cool, cool, this would be something cool. to read. That did. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just saw in the first two paragraphs it talks about Nick Mavoli. Um, yeah. And I just wrapped up uh, finishing a book about Nick Mavoli. Ah, oh, cool. A bit of his life. Um, yeah, I believe he was the first first modern freediver to lose his life in a in such incidents as a, a freediving mm. uh, competition. And yeah. I, I was interested in that. It happened at Dean's Blue Hole, so mm. I've been. I I did not read it while I was at Dean's Blue Hole. Interesting okay. enough, but <laughs> I I I'd already familiarized myself with it, but I finished it up on the on a flight home. And okay. What what other books or resources for um, going deep do you recommend? Uh, uh, do, do you like uh, Palazzari's uh, Manual of Freediving? I bet you've been through that cover to cover. I have, I have Palazzari's uh, Manual to Freediving and uh, Dry Training book that I've read it cover to cover several times. I yeah, often, yeah. I often take it with me to the gym. Yeah, uh, wow! I'm always looking for. For a, a new stretch, a new a new training method, and he's cool. got so many in that book that you can take into your training that you can always find some good good information there. I'll try and link them up in your sh- in the show notes page so that if people search Brandon Hendrickson on Noob Spiro, that should come right up, and I'll link some of these books in. Any other resources or video training or anything else you would recommend to people wanting to take on depth? Yeah. Uh, not a bad read, which is gets back to the discussion of Nick Mavoli is called One Breath. Uh, okay. One Breath by Adam Skolnick. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot to be learned out of that book, both within the training aspect as well as uh, safe progression in mm. how to listen. And a, a diver needs to listen to their body. Mm. And okay. Listen, and it also talks about a lot about safe progression. Okay, cool. That's a great book. Interesting read. Blue Water Hunter by Terry Moss. Yeah. Phenomenal. Fab, fabulous book. You can read that one cover to cover. It's a good, it sits on my uh, coffee table. Yeah. Everybody in my household's read it. So <laughs> that's, that's a good cool. one. 
YouTube is a phenomenal resource. Uh, I've used it for a lot of my training. Okay. I've, yeah, it's also been a big motivator, whether it be in all your social media, but YouTube, there's so much, um, su such a resource there with your, with, especially with free diving and free dive training. And then as well as, you know, your spear fishing. And even though most of that's just motivating to get you to go out there to go shoot some more fish. Hey guys, today's Veterans Vault is brought to you by our ebook, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. It's actionable information from more than 40 interviews with spearfishing experts from around the world. Turbo, what do you like about the book, buddy? Mate, I love it that it's called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, but there's well over 99 tips in there. Some estimated at around 1,000 or 1,500 tips. <laughs> <laughs> I love your estimation. I like the fact that it's just actionable information to, to improve your spearfishing out of sight on the next dive. Yep, absolutely. It's the best value for money spearfishing book on the market. So get on Amazon.com and pick yourself up a copy. 99 tips to get better at spearfishing. Thanks, guys. G'day guys, if you're new to spearfishing, I highly recommend listening to our episode Free Diving for Spearfishing with Pete Ryder. Pete uh, is an entrepreneur and an excellent freedive instructor and he has come up with two great courses, the 10 meter freediver and the 5 minute freediver. I've used the 5 minute freediver to increase my bottom time, found it incredibly useful for my trip to the Coral Sea and I cannot recommend it highly enough. His other course, the 10 meter freediver, is a great resource for those just starting out that literally want to get to 10 meters and this course will help you learn proper breathing technique and some of the safety aspects associated with freediving. Use the code NOOBSPIRO to save 20% on all of Pete's courses. He's put together this deal just for listeners of the show. That's at howtofreedive.com. Use the code NOOBSPIRO. Next part of the show is the funniest thing. Uh, you've had some, you've had, you've had a lot of experience on the ocean, but what's one of the funniest moments you remember? Funniest moments I remember might have to be, it's funny that you mentioned that it could be a poo story. <laughs> <laughs> Another poo story. This is why I mentioned it. <laughs> I will not mention the diver's name. Come on. It, 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 uh, it might Captain Tell the story. P Captain Pietro. <laughs> Captain Pietro and I were diving off the off the western coast of Baja, California, looking for yellowfin tuna with a couple of our friends. Captain Pietro is running the flashers, handling the burley that day, and we've been in the water about an hour, hour and a half, and he comes up politely, goes ahead and tells me he's going to have to excuse himself because he has shit his wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, say the least, we didn't see him for quite a while. <laughs> uh, he came back in the water about an hour later and he was in a different wetsuit. <laughs> he was a bit blush in the cheeks and uh, obviously embarrassed. And yeah. <laughs> we only found his we found his wetsuit soaking in a tub of Clorox bleach <laughs> on the back of the boat. When we got back. 
He didn't. Uh, it wasn't good burly. We didn't shoot any fish that afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like just a regular day out with Turbo, to be oh, honest, Brando. Yeah. But uh, all good. If nobody, all right, man. If nobody shoots oh. wetsuit, you've never been diving. Good crew. <laughs> <laughs> so in your dive bag, like you obviously dive variable conditions all the time. But what's some of your go-to gear in your dive bag? What do you? What? What? Do you, what's a no compromise, if you like? No. No compromise things that I like to have in my dive bag or my main kit is going to be like a good open cell wetsuit that's fit to the fit to the conditions I'm going to be diving. Prefer a custom yep. fit one if I can get it. Just makes me more comfortable. Um, I don't get big into the camouflage thing. I like a good yep. flexible weight belt. Um, a lot of elasticity. Go with light light weights. I'd rather be underweighted than overweighted, and I like to be able to to change my weight depending upon the dive conditions. So I, okay. I go with typically one pound increments or half kilo weights. Yep. Uh, from there, obviously your dive knife is important. I like to be able to access it from both, both hands. Uh, yep. so I keep it typically right on the front, front of my body, uh, near my crotch where I can get to it from left or right hand. Mm-hmm. Um, a good, obviously your, your spear gun is super important. I, I use typically Manny sub guns, um, anywhere from the 90 centimeter to 130 range gives me a lot of punch, uh, in a short compact, uh, situate sort of barrel. Yep. A lot of bang for your buck there. And, um, I'm a big, per- I'm a big fan of, uh, spear fishing flashers. I think that they can, they're more effective than often your burly. And yep. so I think a good set of flashers is important. Got any brand uh, preference there? I personally make a set, uh, a, a brand myself. Okay. Uh, that that we do sell. Um, what? A- I'm not. They. I. I think they're they're phenomenal. They. Yep. We. We sell them via Instagram and through Facebook, and that's at Spearfishing Flashers, as you can find us on Instagram. There. Um, they're 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 handmade here in the United States. They okay. are uh, basically the same philosophy of the buzz bomb flashers that were okay. the pioneered in Africa. Yeah, um, you know Chris Coates obviously was an influential person in that. Oh, uh, yeah. In that, he uh, he brought the awareness to the the spear fishing community about those. Even they've been around for about twenty years, and yep. uh, you're basically making you're making a, a squid like skirt. On a weight that, that uh, appears looking like a, a squid, and then mm. using some flashing fish above that to uh, throw off the flash and give the give the fish something to come check out. Yeah, cool. Big fan All of right. those. Uh, I think every diver needs a set of those and uh, a good Rob Allen uh, uh, flasher float that has a flag on it, so you can yep. see the diver from a distance, whether you're on a liveaboard trip or uh, diving from shore. Diver visibility is a big, big important thing to consider. And if yep. you've got a, even if your flasher float may have the only thing that you have a fl- that has a flag on it that sticks up above the water, that's better than nothing. Yep. So love that. Um, okay. I usually keep a set of th- I usually keep a set of throw flashers on my hip. Um, oh yeah. In case I come across a wahoo or an odd kingfish that I'm trying to entice him to come a little closer. Yep. Yep. So cool. the those are big things for me. Um, like I said, the we do we do make the flashers here. 
and uh, do have them for sale and through several retailers in the United States. Uh, I'll link them up in the show notes. Okay. So spearfishingflashes.com? It's just, we don't have a website. It's just... Oh, okay. Just Insta. At Spearfishing Flashers. Okay, Uh, cool. And Instagram and Facebook. And they... uh, we, we do direct sales, but we also retail them through several dive, dive shops. Cool. All right. So those have, been, the- those have been great. Um, All right. And, the, you know, uh, getting back to other things I think are an important part of the kit, a good set of fins that happens to ma- match the diver well. Okay. Uh, I know a lot of guys that are just fine kicking plastic, Cressy, Gara 2000 fins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're going to try to go ahead and progress with your diving, I think that finding a set of fins that has the the right snap like a set of carbons um that are ideally suited to your body and weight are are important and i think that a lot of divers spend a lot of money on fins that are not ideally suited for them Mm. okay thank you so do your research if you're going to buy a new set of fins yep yep i've been through that yep any any oh so okay so no brand preference there Brando, you're just more suggesting that people learn about the right, the right rigidity and length and foot pocket for themselves? I think that those are all the big important things. Uh, length, rigidity, foot pocket, and the angle of the fin are important. Okay. The type of composite is important. I there depends on the type of diving you're doing. If you're diving for depth, I think a carbon fiber fin is fabulous. I think that if you're diving rocky terrain shallower depths that uh shore dives that a composite like similar to a dive r might be a better fin for you yeah like uh, a fiberglass boat yep correct um i'm a big i'm a big fan of a lot of the, a lot of the the fins that are coming out of greece the the divers over there have done a lot of research been diving many more years than most of us in the united states or even in australia and they have really pioneered some new fins out there that are really unbelievable i personally wear the uh greek brand alchemy hellas yep um okay yep they've suited me well um but i know there are some other brands out there that are that are fantastic so if you're in the market for a four to five hundred dollar set of fins at least give them a look and look up go look up greece and and see what kind of fins are available out there no worries. All right, we've got three quick questions to finish off this interview with you, Brando. So this is the Spiro Q and A. It's a faster, faster-paced round of questions. But um, what is the single best piece of advice you've ever been given for spearfishing? Son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm, I'm only going to ask you three of these, by the way. Single best piece of advice. Yep. Never believe half of what you what you're told. <laughs> so learn for yourself that is true learn for yourself all right and if you if oh who is the single best person to go spearfishing with for you and why that is a three-headed monster <laughs> number one it'd be my girlfriend jamie um and that's because she, every every time we go like, spearfishing with her it's exciting it's always a new experience for her, whether it be a new personal best or a uh, new experience for her. Yeah. It always gets me fired up, so I enjoy the day. Okay. Next would be Greg Fonts. 
Um, Greg is one of the most knowledgeable spear fishermen. He's traveled the world, um, much like myself. He's, we, we've, we've shared a lot of the same experiences. He knows a variety of diving techniques and, um, wealth of knowledge and a good guy all around. So enjoy him. Shit. The last one is, uh, Miss is red tide spear fishing GR tar. I know he's yeah. been a guest on your show. The guys. No, no. Not no. on our show. He's been on Roman Castro's show, The Spear. He, you should but get him I, on. You should get him on your show. He's fantastic. Yeah. He the he guys, was really good on Roman's show. He's entertaining really as all get out. Yeah, yeah. And the same could be said about diving with him. Competitive, yeah. competitive old man. <laughs> <laughs> but he really knows this stuff, and you are sure to have a good time. Cool, cool. We'll try and tee him up one day in the future. Okay, good, good. Right. Hey, la last last question for you, Brando. Um, could you describe what the spearfishing experience means to you in one sentence? I did. I think I've got that one. <laughs> I think I just summed it up with this makes it all worth it. The culmination of the experience when it's all said and done. There's yeah, a lot. Makes... There's a lot of work that that goes into it, and when it's all said and done, and if you do it right, it's all worth it. Hey, cool. Yeah, nice. All right, I like it. Good sentiment. All right, man. Hey, we're going to link up um, Spearfishing Flashes on Insta and Facebook. Um, where can people come and find you online? Where else can people come and find you? You can look up uh, Spearfishing Flashers on Facebook. Yeah. Um, you can get get me directly at Facebook or Instagram. It's at Spiro Brando. Okay, cool. I'll link and that up in the... I'll link that, those both up in the show notes. It's, or, uh, it's been a. And you can also give me an email uh, travel to spearfish, the number two at uh, spearfish at gmail.com. You know, we send me an email. We'll link all this stuff up in the show notes as well as some of the books and the uh, other things we discussed. But uh, it's been absolutely yeah. fantastic chatting with you, Brando. Any, any parting piece of wisdom for our audience? That's about all I got for you guys, man. Man, that was that was plenty. That was a bloody good uh, bloody good chat with you. So thanks for joining us today. Thank thank you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I know look forward to being on your show. Cool, man. And uh, let me know if I can get you any information, and uh, or if you ever need a referral to another great diver, I'd be happy to send you recommendations. Cool, man. Absolutely wonderful. You guys cool. dive, right. dive safe. Pleasure talking to you. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Later, guys. G'day guys, thanks for listening today and joining Turbo and I in the studio with another great guest. Now, today's show was proudly brought to you in partnership with spearfishing.com.au. Adreno have also put together a code for listeners of the Noob Spiro podcast where they can save $20 on all purchases over $200. That's right, punch in the code Noob Spiro when you buy your next spear gun or wetsuit at spearfishing.com.au and save yourself 20 bucks. It's a no-brainer. Shop with our sponsors, Adreno, at spearfishing.com.au and support the Noob Spiro podcast. All right, guys, thanks for listening today. I hope you got something out of this episode with uh, Brendan Hendrickson. He's a fantastic diver. A big thank you to Brendan for coming on the show and speaking with us. Uh, we know that he is a busy guy planning trips and working and everything that he does in his life and his uh, preparation for his competition diving as well. So big thanks to him. Big thanks to my co-host Shrek 
for being the world's greatest anchorman in the world of spearfishing-related podcasts. That's right, number one anchorman. You heard it here first. Also, guys, before I go, another heads up on the book. If you're on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, iBooks, uh, we're now on iBooks as well with uh, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. So if you're keen on uh, downloading a copy, um, get on to iBooks as well as uh, Barnes & Noble and every other platform. We're on a lot of them um, at the moment. Now, on to next week. Finally, we're getting around to Travis Hogan from Aimrod Australia. We talk gear. We talk uh, spearfishing big pelagics up on the coral reef in those warm waters. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge, and uh, we get the uh, down low on how they go about designing their gear. I know they're very popular around the world, so this will be a great one for any Aimrod fans out there. So uh, a big thank you for to you for tuning in, and we'll speak to you in a fortnight's time. Now, if you'd like to connect with us further, do yourself a favor and get on our email newsletter that is full of the happenings and goings on around Noob Spiro, and it's got some great deals in there for you as well. Now, if you are a hardcore fan or just a fan or you need a new shirt, go to noobspiro.com and check out our range of shirts. We've got some great stuff there from sizes from Turbo to Shrek. Turbo! To Shrek. Yep, and everything in between. And Shrek, what can they do if they want to become truly better at spearfishing? Go to Amazon.com, get your hands on our ebook, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. It's actionable information drawn from over 10 years spearfishing experience between Turbo and I, and some of the best information we've learned from more than 40 interviews from spearfishing experts around the world. Also, guys, just quickly, leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps other people find the show. Thanks for listening today. Look forward to getting in your ears again in another fortnight. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you get a couple of PBs this week.